Hi, and welcome to episode 23 of the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sabolsky, joined by my co-host, Dr. Reed McClellan. Reed, say hello. Hi, Dr. Sabolsky. It's great to be here. We are fortunate to be on campus today at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Yaa Kuma Crystal and her colleague, Dan Albert, about their product, Viva, V-E-V-A, at Vanderbilt Medical Center, a product they've been using for some time now and is quite impressive. Before our conversation with Dan and Yaa, let's hear from Suki. In 2016, Dr. Sinksey stated that it took her 32 clicks to document a flu shot in her EMR. That's insane. Technology is supposed to help physicians, and finally one is here that does just that. It's Suki. Meet the AI-powered, voice-enabled, digital assistant for doctors. Doctors that use Suki spend 76% less time on documentation. Health systems get happier doctors, reduce costs, Patients get a better experience with doctors that actually take the time to spend with them, and doctors get more patient time, more personal time, and way less time as a glorified data entry clerk. Go to get.suki.ai to learn more. That's get.suki.ai to learn more. Hi, everybody. My name is Yakuma Crystal. I'm a pediatric endocrinologist and biomedical informaticist. I serve as the project lead on the VIVA project. That stands for the Vanderbilt EHR Voice Assistant. Hi, I'm Dan Albert. I'm an associate director of our product development team here at Vanderbilt. In health IT, we collaborate with folks like Dr. Kuma Crystal on innovative efforts. We're really fortunate to have you both here with us today uh, in hot, hot, hot Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Dr. Crystal, you came to the Voice of Healthcare Summit at Harvard Med, and you gave a really lively presentation. You talked just a moment ago about what you're involved in here, which was, I think you guys call it Viva, V-E-V-A. I was wondering if you guys could both tell us a little bit about the advent of that product, what it does, and why it matters to voice. So the concept of Viva is being able to bring situational awareness to providers and anyone taking care of a patient about the relevant things in the chart, specifically by delivering that through voice. What we came to find, and I think many providers can agree with, is that EHR is a little disjointed. And when you're trying to find information and understand the scenario about why the patient's sick, how sick are they, what the next steps you need to take are, it can be really hard to put all those pieces together. And there's always a that you might miss something important. With the advent of voice technology burgeoning now and people become more familiar with it in the consumer realm, it just made sense to have a situation where you could just as easily talk as you would to Alexa, to your EHR, and ask questions such as what's going on with this patient or how are they doing and what meds are they on and have that information summarized back to you as a trainee would. Yeah, here at Vanderbilt, we've got a great opportunity to take our strength in product development combined with our biomedical informatics expertise to look for ways to improve provider experience so that we we can deliver the most customized and precise experience to our providers. And voice is an avenue that we think has a big role to play in the future. So not only asking questions about the patient, but also interacting to be able to place orders and simplify the provider experience to make sure that they can focus more of their time on taking care of patients and less time worrying about how the system needs to work. Well, that's extremely interesting. You guys are 
trailblazers, if you will, um, with the voice assistance when it comes to electronic health records. And, you know, that's one of the major causes of physician burnout nowadays. Can you discuss a little bit more about how you use the voice assistant to interact with your electronic health records? So the voice assistant is running out of our Epic instance. Uh, we have an Epic EHR, and we're using Smart on Fire technology to launch the voice assistant within the context of a patient. And using the available microphones, you can just ask and talk naturally as you would and get the information back. One of the things that we've been very particular about doing is building out as much as we can using interfaces where we can call um, Smart on Fire applications and um, for things like the demographics, the problems, medications, and allergies. And the principle behind that is we want to make this tool as interoperable as possible and not solely rely on the APIs for our specific EHR, um, but eventually make it something that anyone would be able to use regardless of what EHR they're using. That's right. As, as Jan mentioned, we use Fire standard interfaces whenever possible. Uh, at times, we need to use Epic-specific calls or calls even out to other resources in our environment to, to meet the needs. But most of what we do is uh, supported by Fire today. All right. So for many of our listeners, we got a little technical. What does on Fire mean? And is as dangerous as I think it might mean? And then secondly, um, this is an exciting product to me. How are the practitioners feeling about adopting it? What are the kind of kudos you've gotten? And if you dare, what are some of the criticisms? Yeah, so to start with, uh, Smart on Fire refers to standards that talk about how an electronic health record can host another application in a way that relies on standards. So that, in theory anyway, you can build an application that relies on those standards and it will run in Epic or Cerner or other vendors' systems without major rewrite or, or modification. So FIRE stands for Fast Healthcare Interoperable Resources, and it has to do with how do we get information in and out of the electronic health record in a way that's not specific to that vendor. So we can say, for example, I need the latest A1C result, and we can retrieve that in a way that's gonna be the same for Epic or Cerner or any other vendor. So when we code to those standards, we're, we're more portable. Um, and then SMART has to do with the way the application is launched and authentication occurs so that when Viva launches, for example, you don't have to log into Viva separately. Viva already knows the user in a trusted way. It knows the patient context. And all of that is provided via these standard mechanisms that, again, will be supported by major vendors. With regards to the user reception, we did a series of usability studies with Viva, um, specifically in our pediatric endocrine department, because these are the colleagues I work closely with, and they're very tolerant of my interest in new technology. Um, <laughs> and it was very well received. I think everybody just really enjoyed the idea of being able to naturally speak out your requests and your intents and getting information back. With regards to some of the things they... Uh, thought were areas for improvement. One of the biggest issues with any kind of voice interface is the concept of latency. So when you're having a normal discourse with another individual, there's this exchange that you have and you have eye contact and um, body language that helps to communicate when there's appropriate turn taking. With a computer, you don't have that same kind of interaction. Therefore, when there's information being sought, and there's information retrieval taking place in the background, there can be some latency generated, but because you don't have the same kind of cues to expect what's going on, anything beyond just a few seconds feels very uncomfortable and feels extremely long. And it's one thing when you're trying to load a web page and you have a spinning wheel and you're like, well, I'm used to that. But when you're 
used to having someone reply back to you right away and have these visual cues when someone isn't going to, but with a voice interface, it's just silence. That can become very uncomfortable and frustrating for a user. So latency has been one of the biggest pitfalls and one of the things we've been trying to design around to make the user interface more um, reasonable and uh, more pleasing to the users. And we've used lots of techniques like prefetching information, caching. Sorry, that's also very technical, but kind of storing things in the background so that we can easily gather them when the person asks for them. So at Vanderbilt Med, um, your EHR system is epic. As, as as well as a lot of our listeners, they also use Epic, but I'm not sure they have the same relationship that I believe you guys do. Could you expand a little bit on how Epic has responded to you creating your own interfaces and using Epic with that, both as an input and output? So we've been live with Epic for almost two years now. It was November 2017. And um, I think it's been actually a very positive relationship in terms of development and collaboration and configuration and road mapping. Um, they've been very responsive to some of our recommendations about things to improve and things to build out to improve the user experience. Specifically as it comes to Viva and voice user interfaces, very early in the process of um, implementing Epic, we reached out to their development team to find out if they had any parallel activities going on in this space. And at that time they didn't. Um, so we had a, a collaboratory kind of conversations with them to help understand um, what it was that we were doing and what they were thinking about moving forward. And in the process, actually, um, of building Viva, we've been helping to advise them on a voice assistant product that they're going to be building as well and that they actually have live in some institutions. Um, similar to what we're doing in terms of retrieving information, they haven't gotten to the summarization part. But what we're hoping to do with the whole Viva initiative is to really understand how providers and caretakers would communicate with technology and what kind of information they hope to hear back so we can make the knowledge widely available so people like Epic and Cerner and anyone who's interested in building this can incorporate that into their voice assistants to kind of further validate the space and make this more of a mainstream concept and tool that anyone could use. Yeah, and just to add to that, we, in addition to uh, sort of working with Epic on products to come, we work closely with them on their existing interfaces and, and support for functionality. So they, they dedicate folks to work with our development teams to understand what they offer today. And in some cases, to take requests for, for needs we have that they don't provide and get those on the roadmap and scheduled and delivered so that we can incorporate them in our products. So it's been a positive experience. So there's no question to anyone listening and also to both of you, having been in this world as long as you have, the limitations that come with any sort of EMR. In fact, before we were chatting in this recording, we were actually talking about a meeting coming up that isn't everyone's favorite meeting. Uh, I will spare our listeners on the details of that. But um, you know, voice has some sort of a promise to a lot of practitioners and caregivers. Um, we are beating this particular motif to death, but I'll just share it, which is this idea of reducing pajama time and also allowing the laying of hands to be you know, part of the healing process again that people that go into medicine got into in their dreams. This idea that I could touch someone and be with them and share their pain and or their celebration of healing and wellness and life. Tell us a little bit more about what this project does from that existentialistic and philosophical place of the art of medicine and maybe part of the motivation for why it's having some success here. That was so beautifully stated. 
in terms of being able to reconnect with the patient. And unfortunately, one of the things that the computer has done by introducing it into the exam room, it's become this kind of intrusive third party that steals your attention away from the person who's supposed to be the primary center of attention. And the computer is something that makes you tethered and not only are you facing away, but now you're having to touch and interact with it in order to get outputs. And you have to stare at it to make sure the inputs that you're giving match the outputs that you expect. Um, the thing about voice is it uses our other senses and our other modalities of communicating where you're not required to be facing and looking at something else in order to achieve the action, the intent you have in mind. So being an examiner with a patient, if you want to find out information or place an order, you can still remain present and have contact with that person while saying commands as you would to a scribe, as if there was another individual there with you who wasn't intrusive and stealing your attention away, was actually there to support you in the background and help you get those tasks taken care of so you can continue to interact with the patient. Um, the second level, so what Viva does right now is a modality to summarize information and to place orders and things like that. But I think what everybody's in in terms of the next level of where voice can take us in medicine. It's just this concept of an ambient scribe. Mm -hmm. And um, folks like Nuance are working on some of the technology around it. And I know Google, a lot of the major vendors who deal in NLP, um, just the concept of having a conversation and a really intelligent device that can pick up on the words that are being said, properly attribute it to who is saying what, and being able to summarize that to give context to the words that you're saying and understand when you say, I have a cold, that's not referring to the temperature outside, but referring to an illness, and then map that to a SNOMED or ICD code and appropriately suggest maybe some medications that might help with that. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on to make that happen, but a lot of the pieces are already in place. Um, and I think eventually getting to that place and having that whole concept of having to document and the documentation being the output of your patient encounter versus the actual encounter <laughs> and the communication of the patient being the output will be the whole next level and really bring the provider back present to the patient. And I, I think the other piece that, that occurs to me, I think voice in a product like Viva has the potential to draw the patient in, in a new way as well. So if I'm a patient and Ya is examining me, but she's right in front of me. She's interacting with Viva and Viva is speaking back responses that I understand the process she's going through in a very different way than if she's leaning over to the side, typing who knows what, seeing who knows what on her computer. So in generation one of Viva, uh, do we understand correctly that it's mainly retrieving data that you ask for, but not necessarily putting orders in yet? Do you guys see that you'll ever be able to actually once again give verbal orders like we did back in the old days? And then a follow-up question, are you using any uh, NL, you mentioned NLP that both Nuance and Google and the major vendors are uh, hoping to implement. Are you guys currently using that in Viva? With regards to placing order, I'm actually very happy to say that one of the key things that we were able to do during this development phase was create an intent for health maintenance labs. So in pediatric diabetes, there are a series of labs that you're required to get on your patient annually um, to ensure that they're not demonstrating any signs of things that they're at risk for, like thyroid disease and celiac disease and urine microalbumins monitor for kidney disease. And the process of determining which labs are due and which kids are overdue for the labs um, is, is really kind of tedious because you have to go back, see when it was last done, and uh, figure out parameters like when 
they're actually due because that's based on the age and duration of diabetes. So there are lots of different decision points in terms of deciding what labs are due when um, that takes up an unnecessary amount of time that you could be spending with your patient instead that you're, again, glancing at the computer. So one of the things that we're really excited about is that Viva is actually able to do all that logic in the background. You can simply ask, what health maintenance should do for, or what labs are they do for today? And she'd actually retrieve that information and say, this is what they're due for. And you can simply accept and say, like, yep, that makes sense. And then that pushes that through to your Epic instance. And then you can accept the orders and they get ordered. So, I mean, I think that's going to be one of the biggest wins. One of the things our pediatric providers are most excited about on um, being able to close those care gaps um, because that's work you have to do anyway. It's very tedious and repetitive work and humans hate tedious repetitive works, but computers are great at Tita's Competitive Works. This is a perfect marriage. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to follow from Dr. Kumar Crystal's takeaway on what a big win that would be and put you on the spot just for a second. Dan is looking me in the eye thinking, what in the world <laughs> is coming next? And, you know, on this podcast, we've been really fortunate to have tons of clinicians and physicians with us talking about their day-to-day and the challenges and the barriers, but also the wins, their hopes, their dreams about where this is taking us. You are a teammate or and or a coach to some of these clinicians on the IT side. You, all of us are, no, we can't really separate the hardware or the software anymore from taking care of the masses. What are your thoughts as that coach and that metaphor of guide for clinicians about this tool and these wins that we just discussed? I mean, from, from a technologist side, from a digital master side, tell us what your thinking is and tell us maybe an event that's occurred during this process that you think I went to bed tonight and what I've been working on really mattered. Yeah, I think, you know, as you were talking about physicians getting into uh, medicine with dreams of being able to help people, as technologists working in informatics, you know, we share the same uh, motivation and we're here not to sell widgets or, uh, or so forth, but, but to support the process to taking care of patients. And so I think this is an opportunity, as I, as I said earlier, where we can really help remove some of the impedance mismatch, you know, some of the barriers so that physicians and, and other providers can focus on the patients in, in a way that removes distractions from worrying about learning menu navigation trees and, 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 idiosyncrasies of individual systems and so forth. So uh, I think the excitement then is to, to think about what can we do, as Yab mentioned earlier, so that the computers are really doing what they do well. They're doing rote um, uh, summarization and calculations and, and so forth to set up the providers to focus on the patient and the, the decisions that we really need people making. You know, we're not trying to replace that. We're trying to augment it in a way that makes it uh, as efficient and effective as possible. So I think about something like the summary that Viva provides for the pediatric endocrinology clinic that Yaz has helped, helped guide, she's got the expertise to know exactly what, what are the pieces of information that would be really valuable to have at my fingertips. So the technology can go out, look up that information, do the calculations, do all the summarization and so forth so that it's right there when she needs it. And making that uh, patient encounter more effective and more focused on the patient is uh, really exciting for us. So, People that listen to this, we've got clinicians, we've got technologists, we have executives, vendors are listening to the show. Um, Maybe some takeaways about what you would suggest to them to make some process like this better, easier, more productive. 
Uh, I'm definitely of the idea that the more people that are getting involved in this to build is the, the faster and more rapid we benefit as a group of people, but also as an industry. So some takeaways from you both on the process and what you might recommend to the people listening that either want to start this or have the tools that people like you buy in order to leverage this for the uh, patients they take care of. My biggest word of advice is just to get started and start thinking about the components of conversation and the information that we use to make decisions and what things to prioritize explaining back to people. One of the most interesting things in terms of coming up with the best summaries and how to explain information back when a computer says it versus when a human says it is that in medicine, the way we're trained is very didactic. And um, there are levels of training where you're a medical student, you're a resident, and you're a fellow, and then you're an attending, you're practicing independently. And in that entire process, you're working on summarizing information back and you're working on hearing someone summarize their idea about what's important to you about how to take care of the patient, how to proceed. So you already have in your mind what you expect to hear and what would make sense. And based on the level that the training is on, you expect to hear a more sophisticated, concise summary that gets to the heart of the problem. And that's really what we're trying to solve here. And being able to parse out, really, this is the one thing that you need to know. This is what you might have missed if I didn't bring to your attention, I think has been one of the most intriguing aspects of this whole development process. Yeah, and I, I would add that uh, we, we, as technologists, we need to keep in mind that we shouldn't be simply focusing on automating. We shouldn't just be automating what we've always done. I mean, it, it's good to make existing processes faster and, and more effective, but also some, sometimes we get an opportunity to change the way that we're, we're operating in the first place. Don't just automate the existing process, but look for ways to make the whole interaction and workflow more effective. You know, um, a lot of our listeners, I believe, are going to be jealous after uh, hearing this <laughs> podcast because they're going to say, I want Viva. Um, is Viva only in the, the pediatric endocrinology group right now? And if so, when do you expect it to roll out to the Vanderbilt Med at large? Before you answer, I just saw beads of sweat hit Dan's forehead. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the most important questions that we have to contend with as we're building out this project is how to best scale it. And one of the things um, in terms of advice for the other people interested in pursuing things like this is development of a knowledge base and establishment of this kind of source of truth. What's missing for us and why we're not able to scale as large as we'd like to is having a source of truth that can say for every medical condition, these are the exact medications you need to know about. These are the precise labs you need to know about. And these are procedures so that when Viva's summarizing things, she can surface those things. So if you have a medication list that has like five things on it, but you have hypertension, she should probably call out the cardiac medications. Mm -hmm. But right now there's nothing that does that. So we have to like manually curate all these summaries. And I feel like that information all exists out there and it's all in, um, in different lectures and it exists in summarizations, but none of it is in a computer real form where something can easily digest it and say, of all this information in the chart, I know the patient has disease X. These are the medications and the labs that I need to mention in the summary, and then easily bring that to the person's attention. And if there's someone out there that's going to be able and willing to work on curating this knowledge base, that could scale this so much easier than we're able to do right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and in the interim, we're, we're looking at approaches that would uh, extend capabilities to 
to specify to Viva what's important beyond the development team and, and to build tools that would allow potentially providers, nurses, other folks on our support team to do that in their area of expertise. So just earlier today, we were looking at a tool that one of our interns has developed that would allow somebody to, uh, to, to tell Viva essentially, hey, when I ask for whether a patient's at risk of sepsis, for example, what I need to know are the heart rate and the temperature and the blood pressure and the white blood cell count. And so if you can provide tools like that that allow people in their areas of knowledge to help build within Viva the content, then that's, a, that's another route. And the most important thing about summarizations and voice in general, unlike when you're reading an article or even looking at different flow sheets or dashboards, you can skim. With voice, there is no skimming. You take what's coming at you line by line by line, and there's a lot less tolerance for garbage and nonsense and things that are not important. So you need to make sure that you're really highlighting the important things and not to, to literally not to waste words. So we're early days here. I think we all would agree that y'all are really on the expanding edge of the circle of this technology for sure. I've had conversations privately over a glass of wine or an iced tea, depending on the location, uh, with physicians saying, I don't want to be recorded. I don't want my patients to be recorded. It's a privacy issue. And then we go into a little bit of a conversation about what is voice first and what is AI. So to your point about this filtering of what matters and to their point of I'm a little bit of afraid and I want to avoid a Hawthorne kind of effect that modifies my behavior or my patients in a way that keeps me from diagnosing properly and healing. And for you, Dan, being the right kind of uh, coach to create a tool that they can use without being in the way, what do you have to say to these folks who have these sort of uh, questions and fears? That is such an excellent question and something we've been giving a lot of thinking to. There are two parts of that. So there's the Hawthorne effect or how that might modify your behavior and the outcome of what you're doing. Going back to the concept of an ambient scribe where you're not even writing notes anymore because the computer magically is able to take your words and summarize it and your notes just done at the end of the day. However, the art of writing a note and summarizing things and typing it as much as I hate that every now and then when I'm putting things together I'm like oh wait I don't think we ever talked about so and so and then I go look back and I discover something new or like as I'm putting my thoughts together in the assessment and plan I'm like wait what about this condition I hadn't really thought about that so I'm wondering as we go more towards the place where the computer's doing all that for us and we're taking away the act of forcing someone to sit down and summarize their thoughts in a note are we going to be missing something? Are we actually going to be creating gaps in the places where they were making these connections before? So I think that's just like a really fascinating concept. Mm -hmm. And it'd be really interesting to look at some of the outcomes and um, how ordering behavior changes um, after the fact when we employ something like that. Because there is something to be said about forcing someone to re-summarize something. The component you mentioned about um, the privacy and not being want to um, eavesdrop in overheard. I, I think there's a really, really, really interesting aspect of that because there, there's this concept of like um, dark humor in medicine where you'll make like off color jokes um, just to, because sometimes things are very stressful and um, the only way to get through it is just by saying something very silly, which you'd never really say in real life and certainly you'd never say to a patient. Um, but imagine if a recording of that became available somewhere somehow. 
Um, I think what's important about these products and these tools is designing with the end in mind and understanding the context that they're going to be used. Um, we already have a lot of dictation recording um, devices that we use, and um, the, the back end of the Viva tool is actually Nuance, who does our dictation. So they understand how to keep and protect and to hold information. Uh, so I think just um, understanding the context and the users and keeping the information as private as it can be is going to be a hallmark of being able to actually have this comfortably introduced into the medical setting. Yeah, I think that's a great question. It, it reminds me of sort of the open notes discussion about patients having access to their notes and some of the nerves and concerns around that and, and some of the research indicating some of the benefits um, to, to all involved. But but I will say also, we, we have some features in Viva, simple features that, that sort of respect this issue. So you can, for one thing, although we're talking primarily about voice and that's certainly the, the main thrust of Viva, you can type a, a question in just as you would speak it. So if you're in a scenario where you, you want to use Viva, but you don't need to speak out loud for whatever reason, you can do that. You can also say to Viva, show me instead of tell me. And Viva will display all the information, but won't actually speak it out loud. So that's great um, feedback that you can actually just see the information because we do speak faster than we type. But as uh, y'all mentioned earlier, we also read and skim a lot faster than we necessarily listen to. And physicians are not always the most patient uh, individuals. But I'm already <laughs> extremely, I'm already extremely excited about uh, the technology you guys have already created. And with one thing, um, you are removing the barrier of a death by a thousand clicks because it can be difficult to find the right lab or even the next appointment date. So you can correspond that with your patient coming back to see you also. But as uh, Matt mentioned, this is only the very beginning. What are you two the most excited about for the future of voice with Viva and with Vanderbilt at large? I think the part that I'm most excited about is the concept of being in the room with a patient, having a seamless conversation, and having the patient participate in the information discovery as well. Um, so right now, Viva is a patient-facing application where um, the provider is talking and asking questions. Um, but in order to make it something where the patient can easily ask, what are my last set of labs? When is my next appointment? It's a matter of changing the pronouns, but also changing the content that is relayed back. Because when a provider asks about labs, they wanna hear something very different than when the patient asks about their labs. But patients have those informational needs as well. And in terms of accessibility and making the information easily available to them so they can make decisions that's gonna affect how they take care of themselves, I think getting to the point where the tool and the platform, it's just a matter of talking to the EHR and having information relayed back to whoever is asking it by understanding um, their profile and what their informational needs are, it's going to be huge. Yeah, I agree that the patient engagement aspect of this is one of the most exciting uh, components. I also think as a technology person that the opportunity for further use of AI, deep learning kinds of techniques so that tools like Viva could get smarter over time so that w what I'm asking for gets better and better and, and more and more relevant over time. That, that, that kind of convergence could, could make something like this really useful. Dr. Kuma Crystal, Dan Albert, Vanderbilt University Medical Center and Viva Voice Tool, including Dr. Reed McClellan. Thanks for joining us for episode 23. We'll see you soon.